0: What I wanted to talk to you about today was God's word to singles. And we need to understand that a large portion of our population today are single adults. More and more people are choosing to remain single. And when I think about singles, I think about three different categories or three different kinds of singles. First of all, I think about those that are single by creation. Those that are single by creation. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, the passage of scripture that I ask you to turn to. And young people, I want you to really tune in to me today because I believe what I'm going to share will be a really good help to you as well. But in 1 Corinthians 7 and 7, Paul said, I wish everyone could get along without marrying just as I do. In other words, Paul is saying, I wish everybody could be single the way that I am single. Now, I've been told that there are four kinds of people in the world. That there are those who are married and those who want to be married. And then there are those who are single and those who want to be single. Would like to be single and may be single again. I don't know. But Paul said, I wish that everyone could get along without marrying just as I do, but we are not all the same. He said, God gives some the gift of marriage, and those that are you that are married here this morning say amen to the gift of marriage. And let me remind you, it is a gift, that it's a gift of marriage. But he said also to others, he gives the gift of singleness. So there are some people that God just created. We know it as the gift of celibacy. And so some people are single by creation. God just made it that way. They don't have uh, a struggle with sexual temptation. They don't have a need for deep intimacy with other people. God just kind of created them that way. And we'll talk about why here in just a moment. But then there's also some that have become single because of circumstance because of circumstance. Maybe you're here this morning and you're single just because you haven't found the right person yet. Or or maybe you're here this morning and and you are single um, because of divorce. Or maybe you're here today and you're single because your spouse has passed away. Uh, Maybe you're here today and you're single because your spouse abandoned you. Paul speaks specifically to that in 1 Corinthians 7 and 15 when he says, but if the husband or wife who isn't a Christian insists on living, and what he's talking about here is he's talking about a husband and wife that came together, and at the time they came together, they were both unbelievers, but then at some point, one or the other became a believer, and because the other did not want to accept that, then they abandoned them. And Paul says that if the husband or wife who isn't a Christian insist on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the Christian husband or wife is not required to stay with them. So if you come into a relationship, a marriage, where neither one of you are believers and one of you become a believer, and the unbeliever that's left says, I don't want anything to do with that, I'm out of here, Paul says, you let them go. But he also says this now because you need to understand that you don't get saved and then go home and tell your spouse, I got saved today. Bye. I'm out of here. That's not what he is saying. Matter of fact, he says a little bit sooner. He says that if you become a believer and your spouse is good with that and they want to continue the relationship and to continue with you, then you do that. You stay. But really, the Bible only gives us two legitimate reasons for divorce, and that's adultery and abandonment. And some are single because of that very circumstance. And then there are others who are single by choice. It's not that God created them that way. It's not because of their circumstances. They just choose to be single. And Jesus talked about that in Matthew 19 and 12. He said that some are born as eunuchs. That is, that some are born without the ability to reproduce uh, sexually. And he said that some are born eunuchs. They have physical limitations. And some have been made that way by others. But notice he said, but some also choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Now let me just stop right here and say that if you're one of those singles this morning who chooses to remain single... Beware that you're not remaining single for unselfish or for selfish reasons. Because you can choose to be single out of selfish reasons. Maybe you want to make a lot of money and you don't want to share it with anybody. And so you choose that you're going to be single. Maybe you don't want to have to make any compromises or change. Let me tell you, when you get married, there's compromise and there is change. And some people don't want to make those compromises. Some people don't want to make those changes. Some people choose to stay single because they have a fear. They have a fear of divorce or they have a fear of commitment or they have a fear of failure. So there's a number of reasons why some folks choose to remain single. But here's what I want you to understand, whether you're single by creation, whether you're single by circumstance, or whether you're single by choice, Paul says that that's just the way it is. Some people uh, have the gift of marriage and some people have the gift of singleness or the gift of celibacy. He's not saying that one is better than the other. He says, if you want to be single, praise God, be single. And here's what Paul says. Paul says that if you can live a single life throughout the days of your life, that's actually the best option, he says. And he tells us why. But he says, if you can't, then get married. And so what I want to take just a few minutes to do here this morning is I want to talk to our singles today, and not just our singles. I believe that there's some married folk here today that's also gonna get something that's going to help you, but I wanna talk to you about the blessings and the burdens of the single life. And first of all, we're gonna talk about the blessings of the single life. And, And know this, and everybody here that's married will tell you the same thing about marriage. That marriage, that there are blessings to marriage and there are burdens to marriage but the burden is light. I just thought I'd throw that in there, honey. That the burden <laughs> is light. But, but let's talk about the, the blessings of the single life because here's the way that the Apostle Paul describes it. These are not my words, but the Apostle Paul's. And he said that one of the blessings of singles is that singles generally have less distress. And that word distress just simply means stress and anxiety. Now, that doesn't mean, listen to me, don't come see me after church or send me an email. That doesn't mean that singles do not have anxiety. It does not mean that singles do not have stress in their lives. But they generally have less distress. Paul said it like this. In 1 Corinthians 7:32, when he was talking about the, the stress and the, and, and the anxiety of marriage as compared to that of living the single life, he said, In everything you do, he said, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. And that word concerns is talking about the needs of this life. And so he's saying this, he's saying that single people are blessed in that they have less distress because they have less needs to meet. You know, when when you're married, you've got... You've got the needs of your spouse, and you've, if you have a family, you've got the needs of your children. You know, there's just a lot of needs there that single people don't have. And if you don't believe that, then you ask somebody in this room today that was single for a number of years, and they're married now, and I think they will tell you that single people have generally less distress in their lives. But not only just less distress, Paul would also say that singles generally have less Distractions in their life. And listen to how he described it here in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning at verse 32. He said, An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man can't do that so well. He has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided because you've got your spouse that you need to take care of, but then you also have this relationship with God that also needs to be nurtured and nourished. And if you have children, it's the same. You've got that relationship with God that needs nourishment, your spouse that needs nourishment, and your children that need that nourishment. And so he said his interests are divided. In the same way, he said, a woman who is no longer married or has ever been married can be more devoted to the Lord in body and in spirit, while the married woman must be concerned about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. Can I get an amen from some of you ladies in this room here today? Because now not only are you trying to please God, now you got a husband you know that you've got to please. And so there, there are just many more distractions for married people than there would be for singles. And again, Paul's not saying that there are not distractions for single people. He's just saying that generally those distractions are less than they would be for married folks. And so those are just a couple of things that he mentions about the blessings of the single life, less distress and less distractions. But then he says that the single life, like the married life, that it also comes along with some burdens. And he talks about, and I think this is where most singles struggle is with the burdens of the single life. And a couple of these burdens that I'm going to mention to you this morning are not just burdens to single people, but they are burdens to all of us. But notice the first one that he would talk about, and yes, I'm going to go there this morning. He would talk about the burden of passion. The burden of passion. The burden of sexual temptation and that seems to be the biggest struggle among singles is the issue of passion, sexual temptation. And notice what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 7. And 1 Corinthians 7 really is a great passage of scripture that deals with the single life in comparison to the married life. And he says this, he said, but I say to the unmarried and to the widows... It is good for them if they can remain even as I am, that is as a single person, but if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry because it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Now, when I was growing up, I didn't hear all that passage. All I heard was it's better to marry than it is to burn. And I thought, well, I gotta get married or I'm going to hell. That's just all there is to it, you know. Because it was either you get married or you burn. But that's not what he was saying. He was not saying you marry or you go to hell and burn. He was saying it's better to marry than it is to burn with lust. Or to burn with passion. But now let me say this to you singles here this morning. This is not reason enough to get married. All right? You never take love out of the equation. You you never take... Uh, serving together for the Lord out of the, out of the equation. But let's face it, a lot of people get married for this reason. But let me ask you this. If you marry for this reason alone, to just, to, to, to just settle the passion of your, of, your, of your soul and your body, if you marry for that reason alone, what are you going to do when you're married? What are you going to do if something happens to your spouse and they're not able to meet those physical needs anymore? Then what are you going to do? Because you see, it's not enough to marry for this reason alone. But Paul says that if you're single, you don't have self-control, it's better for you to marry than it is to burn with lust or to burn with passion. How many of you want to know this morning what the will of God is for your life? Let me see your hand. You know, this is this is the question I probably get asked as much as any other, and that is, Pastor, what is God's will for my life? Well, in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul gives us a little insight to that, and here's what he says, and and, and I read this because I think most people that say, I want to know what God's will for my life is, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to actually do God's will, because here's what he said. He said, for this is the will of God. Now, now it's hard to be more clear than that. You want to know what the will of God is? This, This is part of what the will of God involves. He said that this is the will of God your sanctification. And then he goes on that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Now, how many of you know what the word abstain means? I means don't do it. it. Means abstain from it. Oh, stay away from it. He said that you shall abstain from sexual immorality. And listen, just in case you're wondering, the Bible is very clear about what sexual immorality is. The Bible tells us, first of all, that if we are married and we have a sexual relationship with someone outside of marriage, the Bible says that's adultery. The Bible says that if you have sex with someone of the same gender, the Bible calls that homosexuality and says it's wrong, says adultery is wrong. The Bible says, and I know this is going to sound gross, that if you have sex with a family member, that's incest. And then the Bible says that if you have sex as singles, that is fornication. Now, here's the thing, we look at things like incest and we say, oh, I would never do something like that. Or homosexuality, I would never participate in something like that, or adultery, I would never be unfaithful to my spouse, but people tend to just kinda wink at fornication, as if it's not as bad as the others. But I'm telling you this morning that according to scripture, fornication is just as bad as incest. And fornication is just as bad as homosexuality. And fornication is just as bad as adultery. God did not categorize them and say, this one, you know, this one's level one, this one's level two, this one's level three, this one's level four. And it's a whole lot easier to get forgiveness for level four than it is level one. No, yeah, you can get forgiveness for any of them, but we need to understand that one is just as serious and one, get this, is as much sin as any of the others. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 4 and 5, he said, each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust. Look at this, like the pagans who do not know God. So that's what God is saying. God is saying that when we fornicate or when we commit adultery or when we practice incest or homosexuality, he said we are living like unbelievers claiming to be believers. He said, you are living like the pagans, like those who do not know God. And then he goes on and says this in verse eight, he says that anyone who refuses to live by these rules, notice these rules is not disobeying human rules. Listen to me this morning, these are not my rules. They're not, however, I think they're really good rules. And young people understand this, these are not your parents' rules. These are God's rules. And that's what Paul goes on to say. He said, you're rejecting God who gives the Holy Spirit to you. These are God's standards. And these are God's rules. And as believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether we're single or whether we're married, we should be obedient to what God says. And listen, it's not because God is trying to keep something good from you. God is trying to protect you. God has boundaries to protect you. To protect you from what? To protect you from hurt. To protect you from guilt. To protect you from shame. To protect you from addiction. Because that's a door that's just left better better left shut. You don't even open that door because it can lead to addiction. He's even given you those standards to protect your life. Because... An illegitimate relationship with the wrong person can cost you your life, ladies and gentlemen. And God is wanting to protect you from all of that. Notice we're going in the scripture here, Hebrews chapter 13, verse four. Notice what else it tells us. It tells us give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge. Did you, did you just hear that? He will surely judge. And who will he judge? People who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Now, yes. You can receive forgiveness for that. You can, you can put it under the blood because God is not so much concerned about where you've been as he is about where you're going. But from this day forward, you can make a commitment to God and you can repent and you can ask forgiveness. And God can set you on a new course in your life today. I believe that. But for those who think they can continue in this kind of lifestyle and God's not going to judge them, you're wrong. Because one day you will be judged by God himself but notice what Paul tells us Paul tells us and guys you may have to help me back there it's locked up on me but Paul tells us in the book of Hebrews or he tells us didn't got me all lost up here <laughs> guys if you can get me back on track I've got my notes but I'm lost in my notes too and in first Corinthians chapter 5 verse 11 Notice what Paul said. He said, now I have written to you. This is how serious he is about this. He said that I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Now, now it's important that you clearly understand what God is saying here to us. He's saying that if somebody claims to be a believer... If somebody claims to be a Christian, claims to be a follower of Christ, but yet they are sexually immoral, covetous, so on and so forth, then God says, as far as them being a believer, he said, listen, he said, you are not to have fellowship with them. You're not to even have a meal with them. Now, he's not talking about unbelievers because, you know, we expect unbelievers to live like that, but not believers, And so God says you've got to take this thing seriously and he says that when you do in 2 Timothy 2 and 21, he said if you keep yourself pure you will be a utensil that God can use for his purpose. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. So let's keep ourselves pure. I say that to the singles today. I say that to these young people today. Stay pure before the Lord. And when you stay pure before the Lord, the Lord can use you mightily for his glory amen man so there's that burden of passion but then there's also that burden of patience the burden of patience God said this Genesis 2 and 18 he said it is not good that man should be alone this right here is what causes singles to get impatient more than anything else loneliness Not just the passion issue, but the loneliness issue. Companionship. If you're not careful because of that, and not being willing to continue to wait on the Lord, you can end up marrying the wrong person. And instead of marriage being a blessing, it won't be nothing but a burden when you marry the wrong person. Now, now let me just say this to you this morning, and I'm trying to hurry through this, but let me just say this to you this morning. I'm not one of those kinds of people that believes that there is a soulmate for every person. And by that, here's what I mean. I believe that the person you marry can become your soulmate. I do believe that. But I don't believe that when God created us, that he created one particular person for me and one particular person for my spouse. I know I'm blowing some of you away right now. And let me tell you the reason why I don't believe that. I don't believe that because if one person got out of the will of God, it messes it up for everybody else. Because what if the person I'm supposed to marry gets out of the will of God and marry somebody else, then what does that mean for me? Does that mean that whoever I marry now is not the person that God had for me? No, but here's what I do believe. I do believe that God has given us some characteristics in his word to look for in a spouse. And the number one thing is, is that they be a believer. That we as believers, that we are not to marry unbelievers. The Bible tells us that in 2 Corinthians, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with a non-believer? Paul even tells those in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39, he talks to this woman that is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but he says that if her husband dies, she's free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. Must belong belong to the Lord. So if you're here this morning single and you're a believer, God says you can narrow it down to a believer. And if you're not careful, you can get so impatient and so lonely that you violate that, you disobey that, and then you end up in a relationship that is outside of the will of God. And so I'm gonna give you just a few practical things this morning that are not on the screen. And, And musicians, if you'll come and get ready to close us. So if you're here this morning, you're single, If you're single by creation, the Lord bless you. I don't have that gift. That's why I married at a young age, 20 years old. My wife really didn't have that gift. That's why she had to marry me at 17. She just couldn't keep her hands off of me. And I mean that as a compliment. No, no, I'm not gonna be in trouble when I get home. She knows me. She knows me. But you know, when it comes to that whole passion issue, you know, the first thing that you hear people say is, but we love each other. You know, when they're when they're when they're having sex outside of matrimony, outside of marriage, and you you confront them on that. But we love each other. Listen, if you love each other, get married. Dad gummit, get married. If you love each other, what's hanging, what's stopping you? Get just go ahead and make it right. Amen. Have you ever had a pastor that talked about this kind of stuff? A pulpit. Guys, go ahead and start playing. You gotta land me here before I get myself in trouble. But here's the first thing, here's the first thing that I would tell you practically, just write this down and I'm gonna hit these real quick. Number one, surrender to God. Are you hearing me? If you haven't yet, And I don't, I don't just mean your life to God, I mean your plans, your hopes, your dreams. Surrender everything to God. Because if you think that getting married, if you think the person that you end up marrying is going to be able to meet your deepest needs, you're wrong. There's only one that can meet the deepest needs of your life, and that's God. God. And that takes a lot of pressure off of your spouse when you go into a marriage for that spouse to know, you know what, there's just some needs you have that I can't meet, only God can meet those needs. So you gotta surrender yourself to God. Number two, allow God to work in your heart. These are very practical, just allow God to work in you. Why, because you wanna be the person that someone wants to marry. You want to be that partner to someone that you can be a blessing to. So be ready for that moment when God brings it before you. Here's the third thing I would say. Search the scriptures. Because remember what I said. God has given us some things in scripture to look for in a spouse. But you need to look and search the scriptures to find out what some of those things are. And as you search the scriptures, now listen, I'm gonna tell you something that, that other people may not tell you, but I believe in this, make a list. Do you hear me? Make a list, now don't make a list that even Jesus, you know, wouldn't qualify. Maybe that's what kind of list some of you have had. Maybe that's why you're still single. It's because nobody can meet those expectations. Because when you go through the word of God, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find, you're going to say, I'm going to find me a spouse that loves me. First Corinthians 13 kind of love. An unconditional love. You make that list that I want to, I want to, I want to find me somebody that's going to respect me. It's going to value me. That's going to highly esteem me. And let me tell you what to look for. Young people, let me tell you what to look for. You ladies and you gentlemen, when you're dating young men and women, and you're looking for somebody that'll respect you, watch very closely how they treat their parents because that'll tell you how they're gonna treat you, how much they're gonna respect you. Watch very, very closely how somebody respects and honors and treats their parents, speaks to their parents. That'll give you a big idea about what you're gonna be dealing with. then here's the fourth thing, after you've got that list, you've searched the scriptures, you've got that list, number. here, pray it through. You take that list and you say, God, This is what I'm looking for right here. God, this is who I want you to send into my life. And you can pray specifically for that. And then the next thing you gotta do, you gotta do this. You gotta be led by the spirit. You gotta be led by the spirit. And then finally, this is the biggest part right here. You gotta step out in faith. Did you know that marriage is an act of faith? none of us know when we marry that person none of us know how how it's going to what it's going to be like what we're going to face in that relationship what what it is that's going to test our commitment to one another none, none of us know how it's going to work out it's it's a step of faith it really is and i believe that's what's kept a lot of folks from marriage they need to be 100 percent certain now, God bless you if you had that when you got married, that you were 100% certain. I guarantee the strongest person in this room today would say 99. But there was at least maybe 1% that you were wondering, man, am I, is this the right person? Am I doing the right? It's a step. It's an act of faith. Amen. And it's a step that every one of us are going to have to take if we're going to transition from being single to married. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's message. And I want to give you a personal invitation to worship with us this Sunday at 1045 here at Summerton Church of God. God is doing some incredible things here, and we want you to be a part of that.